Actually did that. I'm convinced. This, uh, this, there was no wires. There was no VFX. There was no air jets or any of that stuff. No, no, no weird guys in, in green outfits. You and McGregor actually used the force to throw back that that Vader stunt. That was 100% real, and that was Hayden Christensen too. Yeah, it was actually Hayden Christensen. Actually, Hayden Christensen really burned his face. Yeah, uh, that's to get what those I heard. Scarring, I'm convinced. I heard a rumor he took his balls <laughs> off as well. No, don't put that in. Come on, cut that out, song. We can't do that. <laughs> no, you gotta leave it in. You gotta leave it in. I forbid it being edited out. Vader Castrati, Aaron to his balls <laughs> where are his balls <laughs> i mean that's something that i think was actually going to be addressed when this was still a movie just imagine if this was a movie yeah so much was changed from this being a movie that's what we're going to be talking about today hey welcome back to new rock stars obi-wan kenobi on disney plus left many of us hoping for more from this series maybe a more fleshed out arc from the inquisitor reva or a storyline with fewer plot holes in the way that it connects to a new hope in star wars rebels Maybe even more from Obi-Wan Kenobi's hookups with that Jawa. But now that the original screenwriter is actually telling all, would this have worked better as a movie? Well, either way, so long as it still had Vader screaming, Obi-Wan! <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, okay. your lungs are delicate. Yes. We must protect Tommy's lungs protect at all costs. Protect my lungs at all costs. This is By the way, <laughs> movement to uh, refer to that relationship is Bow Chicka Jawa. Obi-Wan Kenobi's. <laughs> um, motion granted. Yes. This Excellent. is um, Wookiee Leaks. It's New Rockstar's weekly discussion of all the biggest news in Star Wars. I'm Eric Voss. I'm here with Tommy Bechtold. And you may remember before Obi-Wan Kenobi, these weeks Tommy and I would just fill the gap with all kinds of chit chat because mm -hmm. we didn't have this priority of covering a most recent episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So things are back off the rails yes. here with, with Tommy and Eric as they should be because, yeah. you know, Tommy and I just got back from Austin. Mm -hmm. If you were there with us at RTX in Austin, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, Tommy, unfortunately, while he was there in the hotel, he could not come downstairs because uh, he was having some issues yes. uh, health-wise. Uh, how uh, are you feeling now? I am feeling uh, much better. Uh, my whole family has been taken down by, by the dragon of COVID, but uh, I went on vacation with 17 people, and I'm proud to say 12 of the 17 are now COVID positive. So those are stats. You know in Wolf of Wall Street when Matthew uh, McConaughey says those are rookie numbers, we got to pump those up? When, when I heard that just uh -huh. one of us tested positive for COVID, I said, those are rookie numbers. we got to pump those up. Tootski, and then I gave them all cocaine <laughs> from my infected vial. Anyway, I'm clearly doing fine, and my brain is not at all broken. So, <laughs> well, we we're gonna get that brain broken because uh, uh, you learn to appreciate the pieces yes. when uh, you have a broken Tommy, right? Yes, absolutely. The pieces are more beautiful in a lot of ways. Oh. Well, uh, speaking of things being broken and reassembled. Uh, we're learning now this week that Obi-Wan Kenobi, this six-episode miniseries, is actually supposed to be a movie, and we're actually learning what that movie was going to be and how it was changed specifically. We're talking back in 2017 when it was being developed as a film, not a series. The original screenwriter, or the co-screenwriter's uh, name was Stuart Beatty, has now opened up in an interview with the Direct, telling us what that story was going to look like on the big screen as a standalone event, perhaps the first in a trilogy of films, and we're gonna go through those alterations in this episode and assess if Obi-Wan Kenobi might have worked better as a film, what the shortcomings were as a miniseries, whether those can be blamed on it being formatted as a miniseries, 
uh, and why those changes were made. We're gonna, you know, we're not gonna be hating on anything this episode. We still really loved Obi-Wan Kenobi overall as a miniseries. We, yes. I think we both agree it, it stuck the landing, but mm -hmm. it did leave us wanting more. And uh, I think we're gonna have a broader discussion here uh, about the way Lucasfilm is developing stories as a miniseries. And when you have uh, six episodes to chart out, Sometimes certain things get deprioritized, uh, certain things get focused more on, and it makes it a bit harder when you have so many other great miniseries happening uh, under the Lucasfilm uh, masthead. Things like, you know, the Book of Boba Fett, you have the Mandalorian happening, you're having Ahsoka happening, you're having Clone Wars and Bad Batch still being uh, brought out. So it's kind of hard to, uh, to keep a, an equal priority, uh, the plate spinning on all their axes. Uh, so to speak. Yes. Um, um, now, uh, thank you all so much for supporting our channel by purchasing our latest obsession, Kenobi-inspired Empire's Most Wanted shirts. We are now sold out of those, but be sure to keep an eye out over at NewRockStarsMerch.com because uh, Andor is coming at the end of this summer. For certain, we will have a shirt on about that. And there's plenty of other amazing merch options you can get over at NewRockStarsMerch.com. I'm pushing for headbands, Eric. New Rockstars. I, I'm hoping before, sooner than later, beautiful headbands, with gorgeous catchphrases. I sounded like Trump on that. Your beautiful headbands, perfect headband. Every time I'm in the street, people come to me and say, I love your headbands. Thank you so much for your headbands. Yeah. He's just like, I was trying to cancel our headbands. Yeah. They want to take away the headbands. We love the headbands. We're not doing anything with the headbands. We're going to bring the headbands back. The headbands will be back. That I can tell you. That I can tell you very much. <laughs> Oh God! Our subscribers are like everyone. All everyone watching is like enough of this. No, I don't. I just <laughs> let us die. Let me die. <laughs> let the past die. Kill, Kill it, it if you have, have to. to. <laughs> oh, we're dorks. Um, all right, what are we talking about this week on Wookie Leaks? I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna switch it up and throw you a little curveball here. What the Fennec Shand would Obi Wan Kenobi have looked like as a film? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I just like felt like we have Fennec needed a shout out. You know, I'm a big fan. She did. Maybe she not. did. Okay, so originally Obi-Wan Kenobi was going to be a film. This was being developed in 2017. It was going to be directed by Stephen Daldry and written by Hossein Amini and uh, Stuart Beatty. Solo, a Star Wars story, of course, came out in 2018. The movie underperformed. Lucasfilm, uh, I would say, maybe learned some of the wrong lessons from that, but just kind of freaked out across the board about some of these spinoff movies and ended up delaying Kenobi. But then after the success of The Mandalorian in early 2019, they're like, well, everything should be that. So they reconceived Obi-Wan Kenobi as a miniseries. They brought in a new writer, Joby Harold, and then a new director, Deborah Chow, actually Pixar's Andrew Stanton, who was uh, helping out with The Mandalorian, also jumped in and helped out with some of the rewrites on a few of the episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, Hossein Amini and Stuart Beatty still received some writing credits on some of the episodes in their final drafts because they did, ultimately, the producers keep in a lot of their story elements. Uh, but now Beatty did an interview with the direct going into extended detail, spilling all the tea about what how different his version of the story was. And it is fascinating to read it. This guy holds nothing back because we never get insight like this, Tommy. Remember, yeah. there were some rumors about J.J. Abrams' original vision for episode nine, the Duel of the Fates cut, but that was never confirmed. It was just kind of speculated about by various, you know, scoopers from concept art. Mm -hmm. but this is the guy who actually wrote it saying, no, right. this is what my version was. I don't know why they changed it. Here's how I feel about it. This is from the horse's mouth, as they say. Directly from it. And uh, so just going to quickly recap the bigger changes uh, from the original Obi-Wan Kenobi film draft from Amini and Beatty. So in that draft, Reva would have been the only Inquisitor. The Grand Inquisitor, the fifth brother, the other Inquisitors would not have been in this movie. 
And uh, the reason why BD didn't want that is he didn't he wanted to avoid any kind of continuity issues with Rebels because mm. he knew the Grand Inquisitor was going to come back in Rebels and he didn't want to like mess with that too much. Also, if we knew that he would come back, it kind of uh, limits how much you can <laughs> change about that character. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, the version we got, they kind of did this goofy fake out where they killed Moff, but we knew he wasn't really dead. Right. Anyway, also in this original version, Reva would not have initially known that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. So Reva, she was still going to be a survivor of the Jedi Purge, but she would have held the Jedi Council responsible for everything that happened to her, and that would have been what motivated her of hunting the Jedi as an Inquisitor. And instead, it would have been Obi-Wan who told Reva that Anakin is Vader, and that would have been the linchpin moment that changed her mind and turned her rage, redirected it against Vader. And then that would have led to Reva lying and telling Vader that she killed Kenobi, and Vader, in anger for taking that kill from him, would have killed her. Mm. Kind of a Dooku execution style, uh -huh. right? Um, also, throughout this original draft, Reva would have, instead of being teamed up with other Inquisitors, she would have led a group of elite stormtroopers akin to U.S. Marshals. All of these being former clone troopers, played by, or at least voiced by, Tamara Morrison. Their leader would have been a former clone trooper named Commander Jet. Uh, Tamara Morrison also would have played the returning Commander Cody, joining Obi-Wan on Tatooine as a companion who looks after Luke Skywalker when Obi-Wan leaves the planet. So in BD's draft, Commander Cody would have initially tracked down Kenobi and he would have thought, uh-oh, Cody's gonna try to kill Obi-Wan. But then he pulls him into an alley with a dagger and says, you have to be more careful. And we learn that Cody had had his biochip removed and feels mm. guilty for everything he did. Kind of like, almost like a Rex scenario. As we yeah, saw like yeah, Rex yeah. with Ahsoka and Rebels. Like the, the chip didn't really turn him completely evil. Yes. Um, there were gonna be some amazing scenes on Tatooine with Kenobi and Cody disposing of stormtroopers who, tr <laughs> who tried to track down Obi-Wan, throwing their corpses into the Sarlacc. I love that. <laughs> and they're like, I would have liked that. the body's here. Tabor <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so yeah, Morrison was basically gonna be like Mike Myers in... Uh, on Austin Powers movie and just played 9,000 roles. He was just gonna be like, he's Austin Powers, <laughs> yeah. he's Dr. Evil, oh, he's gold sure. member, he's fat bastard. And, and all those movies. Yeah. It's everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, there was also gonna be a scene with a really drunk Jawa. We got a little trace of that with Tika in episode one. Uh, it wasn't drunk, it was just kind of uh, tricky. And then, uh, so this is where I think it gets very interesting. In this original draft, Kenobi was going to meet up with a group of Jedi refugees, as, as he does in the show. But in the movie draft, Kenobi's disconnect from the Force would have been more pronounced, more explicit, more of a thematic focus, as opposed to like kind of a, an undercurrent that you can derive from some of the lines. Um, so when he meets the refugees, Obi-Wan would have met one particular refugee named Tao, T-A-O. And Tao would have told Obi-Wan about their religion, describing it as a goddess that they worship, and would have taken him to a shrine for this goddess. And Obi-Wan would, would have put his hands on the shrine to commune with this goddess. But when he goes into that communication with the goddess, Obi-Wan would have realized, oh, this is just the Force. They just have a different name for the Force. Uh, and then that would have led Obi-Wan to wake up in a vision of himself on Mustafar, a nightmare sequence that was going to be similar to okay. Luke in the Dagobah cave in Empire Strikes Back. And then on Mustafar, Obi-Wan would have seen a dark hooded figure with a red lightsaber. He assumed it would have been Anakin, called out to it. Anakin, Anakin, figure turns around. It's actually Luke, age 19. This They would have brought in a DH Mark Hamill for this. This would have led to a duel and Obi-Wan would have realized two important things. One, that he still needs the force. Yes. And two, that he needs to keep Luke from becoming his father. Oh my father. God, I would have 
So ultimately- Asked my pants if I saw that. I mean, now this is just coming from Stuart Beatty. Who knows what was actually in his draft? He could have just, you know, he could have yeah. said, well, this He could have been winging it like an improv um, show. <laughs> That's and right. then I was going to have Chewbacca. He's doing the Patton Oswalt monologue from Community or, or Parks <laughs> yeah. and Rec, I mean. Yeah, for sure. It just sounds like the coolest elements of this draft were excluded from the miniseries because, unfortunately, other Lucasfilm titles just kind of beat them to the punch. Right. Like his early version of Reva really kind of ended up being Trillis Siduri from Jedi Fallen Order. Mm -hmm. The DH Mark Hamill, of course, came up in The Mandalorian Season 2. Tamara Morrison and the Sarlacc obviously came back up in the Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. um, I just think the writing of Reva remains the central problem with the scripts of these six episodes because it's never really explained how Reva knows that Anakin was Vader mm -hmm. other than like, oh, well, he attacked me that night and I just kind of recognized from the way he uses a lightsaber. I mean, it was just kind of unstated. Yeah. So it was forcing like the fans and the viewers and YouTubers to kind of be like, well, maybe that's how she knew, you know, kind of using this logic of, well, you know, Thrawn was able and able to know, but also Thrawn is like a strategic genius who recognizes certain maneuvers in a fighter. Right. So, I mean, I think we we're willing to give a Thrawn a pass because we knew so much else about him, but Reva, you know, the rest of her behavior isn't exactly like brilliant, brilliant strategy mm -hmm. that she's using. So it's yeah. harder to give her the benefit of that, of that doubt. Also, I got to say, I think Reva's rivalry with the other Inquisitors just feels a bit underdeveloped. And the Inquisitors as a whole do not come off as in, as intimidating as they do in Rebels or in Fallen Order. I think the Inquisitors are really done dirty on this series. Mm. Uh, and I, I think this series really just makes the unnecessary choice of delaying the reveal of Reva's Order 66 backstory until Episode 5, when we were all able to conclude it anyway, and instead we were just kind of questioning her actions episode to episode. Uh, and I think if they had just opened with it, we could have uh, tracked her decisions uh, beat to beat instead of being, you know, them shrouded in mystery. Mm. And also this series keeps in a really odd detail, like one of Reva's best friends, one of those other younglings, suspended in amber as a corpse in that fortress tomb. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we have gotten at least one moment with Reva in that kid? Mm -hmm. Like, if that's motivating everything she does, why is she okay with just leaving it on display there? Um, she seems to have like, completely unchecked power, especially when the Grand Inquisitor is indisposed. She could have easily gotten that corpse out of there and given him a proper burial. Yeah. Yeah, I think ultimately uh, Reva was intended initially to be a character who dies so that Vader and Obi-Wan don't have to kill each other. It makes sense, obviously. They can't, either of them cannot die in this mm. story if they come back right. in Rogue One slash A New Hope. Right. It just feels a little cheap to let Reva survive this story now yeah. as the miniseries did. Uh, instead, the miniseries killed off Tala, who I think is a far more interesting character with clearer motivation. Yes. So I was more excited to see what she does in the future. So Tommy, I want to bring you in on this. What what other story beats do you think might have suffered from Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> being a six chapter series on Disney Plus as opposed to a film? You know, I think that we definitely lost, and not necessarily for bad reason, but I mean, the Owen, Baru, Luke stuff all kind of got pushed is kind of prologue epilogue right like it was like not necessarily epilogue but like in terms of the leia and kenobi rescue story and getting leia home safe mm -hmm. those those elements got pushed out mm -hmm. we probably would have had more tatooine luke origins and this would have probably this to me this kenobi movie feels like episode 3.5 more than anything right like it kind of feels like a mm. like a like a fourth prequel movie rather than a uh, in the Skywalker trilogy, for lack of a better, you know, like, or Skywalker uh, saga, rather for lack of a better way to put it. 
So I think we definitely lost that. Although I so enjoyed the Princess Leia elements of the movie or of the of the miniseries, so I can't thoroughly complain about that. I also think like the the whole Jedi path thing got kind of like the the concept of the path got kind of not necessarily done any justice or made given us any more answers or left us in a like oh we're definitely going to go back to O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character and f- figure out what's going on with the path in a future story. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, how they would have, do- it doesn't seem like there was much mention of that in the film from that interview, but I wonder if that was stuff that was added in later. And I, and I wonder if that was even necessary, you know, like all that, yeah. hearing all of this now makes it feel like that stuff was what they changed and added to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was necessary. In fact, I think that was more necessary than Leia was. Yeah. As much as I loved Leia coming into this series, when you and I were at uh, Star Wars Celebration and we saw the Leia scene, when, as soon as we saw the skyline of Alderaan, I was like, oh, like my heart melted. And I, I love the beats and, and the finale where they connect and we hear the Leia theme come in. Like that was all beautiful. But I think if it is Obi-Wan's story, I don't think I needed an Obi-Wan Leia relationship. Sure. In this. I sure. think it was the relationship should have been, I'm saying should have been. I don't want to gatekeep. I ultimately I don't want to complain too much, but I, it it sounded like the original vision for this were was it was about Obi-Wan's relationship with the Force right. and Obi-Wan's relationship with Anakin. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of like a it's like a superhero story of someone getting their powers back, right? Like it's like someone who lost right. who buried yes, their exactly. powers or like or, or or lost their powers because of some traumatic incident and then it's the quest to get them back to save a, the next generation and also just to slightly defend you on our show i don't think you're gatekeeping the whole premise of this was to just theorize you know and discuss it so i think you go easy on yourself eric be nice be nice yeah. to my friend eric it's okay <laughs> no i refuse to be nice eric voss is dead you didn't kill eric voss I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're looking at other uh, examples to pull from, uh, a story like Unforgiven, you know, Clint Eastwood, the 90s movie, a great like Western deconstruction. Uh, if you didn't see Unforgiven, you could just watch Logan, the Wolverine movie from 2017. It's essentially the same plot. Uh, similar stories, right? You're protecting the welfare of a kid. It's an old, like, uh, grizzled hermit who's pulled out of retirement uh, and has to find his inner badass once again. Um, both of those stories ended up being fascinating movies as a film lover to look at because they are deconstructions of mythology itself, of what it means to be a badass Western hero. And they really deconstruct that and actually point out actually our relationship to violence as a consumers of stories is something worth uh, critiquing because we think we're ready for violence. We think we want to see a lone gunslinger uh, wreck a bar, but we are actually not as uh, deserving or needing that kind of violence. Mm. And uh, they have characters in both of those stories who say, I, I'm i not right for this world. Um, and I hate to see you return to this level of violence. Um, and I think Obi-Wan could have been that. I, I think Obi-Wan could have shown like, been a character who's like, I don't want to live that violent world anymore. Is there a way for me to uh, remove myself from the violence? Especially knowing that Obi-Wan as a character is doomed in a lot of ways. We know what's going to happen to him on the right, Death Star. Right. Uh, so for him to have that kind of reluctance for, for, you know, for Luke to train him, for him to be haunted by what he did to Anakin, uh, I think there could have been some interesting new thematic statements that were made. Instead, uh, we just kind of had his journey 
uh, tracked with his relationship with Leia. And it opened up this story for so many landmines when it came to logical issues with, you know, what we know his destiny lies ahead with, with Leia. Um, and I think uh, you did not need Leia in the story ultimately. Uh, I think that was uh, both a gift and a curse to the story. I think it uh, it robbed us of seeing, uh, of truly understanding what Obi-Wan's journey was. Instead, we had episode after episode of Leia being re-kidnapped, mm. but you couldn't do it in any way that actually gave us a real concern for what Leia's welfare was going to be because we know right. she was going to survive. Sure. Um, I honestly would have preferred uh, what would have happened if, like, you know, Benny Safdie's character in the first episode could have been someone else, someone who we had more stakes with that uh, that Obi-Wan uh, had some kind of new relationship with. Or if just Reva, if we were in, established through flashback that Obi-Wan had an uh, Ahsoka-like mentorship uh, with another Padawan, uh, another, not another Padawan, but another youngling in the temple. And then that uh, they see each other face-to-face -face again on Tatooine. And he, he is now brought back like, oh, you were one of these other kids in the temple that I had this affection for, and now look at you. Oh, shit. And then it just becomes like a cat and mouse game between them for six episodes. Don't need Leia in it. Right. I think it would have been completely fine just to see Obi-Wan's relationship through with the Force through the eyes of this uh, uh, second sister, like, or now in this case, a third sister, like Inquisitor, who hates him for abandoning her. For uh, you know, instead gallivanting on Utapa, fighting a grievous so uncivilized. Yes. Hello there, and then now he just cringes, regretting right. being ever involved with the Clone War. Um, I just think like the hopefully the lesson learned here is that as fun as it is for D.H. Mark Hamill to show up or mm. for a younger actor to play Leia in a story, the best parts about the Mandalorian are just these new characters. It's just mm -hmm. the relationship between Din Djarin and Grogu, names that never existed among Star Wars fans before 2019. We are totally okay just exploring new characters and relationships that, uh, and obviously if it's a show about Obi-Wan Kenobi, it can just be about Obi-Wan Kenobi. The show did not need to be Obi-Wan Kenobi and Leia yeah. uh, and Bail Organa and yep. all these other things. As much as we hear at New Rockstars talk about what famous names will cameo in things, Ultimately, we really just want to uh, see, we want to be surprised. Sure. And uh, just explore a relationship. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, look at new rock stars. They're always just saying we need a cameo in it. Ultimately, no, we don't. Yeah. We, we do not need a cameo. And I think that that's really, you know, thoughtful, thoughtful analysis because it, it, and it's helpful because you're right. Like, it's the gift and the curse of, of having that, that great young actress play Leia we were like lulled into like following that story when ultimately it didn't give us anything new and, and it cr only created new problems, not like new compelling, you know, storytelling. It was like, Oh, we already know that both of these characters are going to be fine. So it's like, you're having us follow the, the, the great chase to hunt down and kill two characters. We know that that's never going to happen. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that's really, really compelling. And I think that's what uh, hopefully the lesson that is applied and already understood as we see new uh, Star Wars titles on the horizon. I think that's why I'm probably most excited by the Acolyte, mm. uh, which is something that takes place in the distant past. There's going to be no familiar characters yeah. in there, hopefully none. And we have no idea what the fates of these characters are. Uh, and hopefully we're going to talk about Andor in the second half of this episode. Um, there's uh, potentially some issues there because we know what, you know, Cassian Andor's fate is. We know what Mon Mothma 
and Bail Organa's fates are. If Ahsoka shows up on that show, we know what her fate, or we kind of know what her fate is. I mean, there's still a lot of questions I guess we have about Ahsoka, but I think they're smartly bringing in a lot of new characters that we've never heard of before. And that's kind of where you need to go. You need to have the right balance of new mm. versus familiar. But uh, before we talk about Andor, uh, we want to thank Raycon for sponsoring this episode. If you're listening to WookieLeaks right now as a podcast, are you listening on Raycon earbuds? Because that's how I listen to this on any other podcast. And you should too. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. Their earbuds are super comfortable and better locked in than an X-Wings targeting system. Yes. Raycons offer three sound profiles to match what you're listening to, plus noise isolation and awareness mode, so you can choose to be immersed in sound or be able to hear your surroundings when you need to. I really like using them around the house, like when I'm making dinner or doing chores. They're super secure and they sound great. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. You can even do wireless charging. With Raycons, you get the same quality audio as other premium audio brands, but at half the price. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 49,000 five-star reviews. Check out Raycons Wireless Earbuds. My guess is that you're going to want to leave them a five-star review as well. Go to buyraycon.com slash Wookiee today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Wookiee to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash Wookiee. That's with two E's. All right, Tommy, let's get back to talking about Andor. Yes. So this week, we actually learned how they're going to space out the timeline of Andor across its two seasons. Tony Gilroy told Empire that season one will focus on the first year of Andor joining the Rebel cause, but season two is going to follow the next four years leading up to Rogue One. Season two's 12 episodes will be split up into four three-batch arcs. So uh, the first three episodes will be focused on the second year of this journey. The uh, second three episodes will be about the third year of the journey. The uh, third three episodes will be focusing on the fourth year, and the final three episodes will be on that final year dovetailing right into Rogue One. So I kind of looking ahead now, and we were just talking about uh, familiar characters versus new characters. We know uh, Stellan Skarsgård's going to be playing Luthen. Uh, we got uh, uh, What's-Her-Face from... Uh, from the Harry Potter films and Petunia. That actress, oh, yes. amazing actress, is gonna be playing another rebel. She's leader. amazing. Do you think season uh two might be feel feeling more like Clone Wars with arcs jumping around in time, like different locations, different missions, different characters, three episodes at a time? What do you think? Interesting. So almost serialized, where it's like, you know, the characters yeah. are the same, but the but the we get a beginning, middle, and, and conclusion in every episode. I mean. I almost feel like that's a better thing to that 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 to me is more interesting for a character like Andor. Oh, it'd be way too hard to do that with Obi Wan because of all the history. But a character like Cassian Andor that we just have this one movie and then you know I think I think some novels right like there's been some Cassian Andor books that are out. I don't I don't know. I have to I'll have to I'll have, tell me in the comments. I'm sure you will. But uh, I think having him do complete missions in each episode will give us way more information about the character and the new characters. Than trying to tell us a whole story that once again we know does not end. It ends great in his heroicism, but does not end great in his uh, living and breathing. You know, right, right, exactly. Uh, I think it's gonna our our concerns are gonna be more of these peripheral characters who we meet. Yes, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's characters. Uh, there's gonna be plenty of new characters. In fact, I think what seems so, so smart about the Andor footage so far and the way Tony Gilroy is building this is it's mostly familiar. Like, we haven't even seen Bail Organa or Ahsoka Tana or any of these people show up. It's really, the only familiar faces are Mon Mothma and, uh, and Cassian Andor himself. 
Um, so I think there's an opportunity here um, to just show, it's kind of like what Star Wars Rebels did, is just show the rebellion uh, in like different missions that are happening uh, as like we know that they fail to stop the rise of the Death Star. So that's going to be the one thing that eludes them throughout right. this process. But there are going to be other weapons that we know about that are being built. Like, for example, we know Sabine Wren, right? She was an Imperial weapons officer. Um, and there were other like super weapons that were being built that were vicious. Uh, so those things are going to be uh, targeted by this rebel group. You know, those types of things. Um, other horrible war crimes that the Empire is committing that they may help uh, liberate some like labor camps or, yes. uh, or other occupied populations. Uh, and recruiting them to join the rebel cause. Absolutely, I I I think that we will, like you said, we're gonna have we're gonna have new characters introducing new new things, and I'm also interested to see like with that time period of right before a new hope, like we're really butting into like some there there is potential for some some people we've already seen in these live action TV shows to return in younger form. So yeah, maybe a black Chrysanthemum showing. Why not? Hey, I mean. You Get know, that guy back know, out there. And we just got off of saying like, I think the the cameos are okay if they are just cameos. You don't need to build entire storylines yes. and no, plots I, about. I, you know, them. I'm just a sucker for it. Yeah. How fun was it when uh, like when Leia appeared? It, it Leia really could have worked in Obi Wan Kenobi if she would just showed up at the end when yeah. Obi Wan's chatting with Bail, yeah. and then Leia shows up in the background. I think right. that would have had the same kind of impact and same kind of effect. Yeah, yeah, because that's all cameos need to be. You don't need to like hinge an entire storyline on a returning character. Hey, we'll leave it there for this episode of Wookie Leaks, but we want to ask you to, again, to check out our great merch options over at NewRockStarsMerch.com. You can follow me at EA Voss, follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtel, follow NewRockStars, subscribe to Wookie Leaks wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for watching. We're going to see you every Monday going forward until we get to Andor. Uh, but until then, thank you for watching. We have spoken. Okay.